The following is an audio sermon from Sacred City Church in Davenport, Iowa. For more free audio content, search Sacred City Church in your iTunes store. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So right now we're going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. We are in the, we are in the third chapter of the book of Ephesians, all of our sermons up until this date. I found myself... Uh, my introduction started getting longer and longer and longer because I wanted to preach like every message I preached before as my introduction to build on that. And I realized that that's kind of a, um, it's a self-defeating purpose right there. I'm going to have two hour long sermons by the end of this series. So this message is built upon, it's predicated by all, everything I've said up until this point. All right. Paul says for the same thing, um, when, when he first jumps into this section, he says, for this reason, Everything that Paul said in the first three chapters is true, and what and his prayer now is built upon that section of Scripture, okay? So I'm just going to say that. If you've missed some sermons in the past, uh, you could go to iTunes and search Sacred City Church, and our podcasts are there. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Um, we're kind of blocking you out. Uh, so I just wanted to build, I just wanted to throw that out there and let everybody know what's going on, and um, we're going to, let me see if I got marker here that one's dead um there we go perfect excellent all right so paul has just come through a a a pretty tough section of scripture if you remember last week right he talked a lot about suffering he's in prison right now he's preaching to the ephesians or he's writing to the ephesians or the christians spread about asia minor um, and he's trying to encourage them in their faith where they're at Tough circumstances, why aren't things going well? You're in prison, that makes us nervous because you're God's A-team and you're in prison and if you're in prison, what's going to happen to me? They're struggling with all these different things, all right? And then Paul steps in and he shares a little bit of his heart like he did last week, like we talked about last week, but then he, he does this thing and he bows his knee and he prays and I, can just, I want you to picture him in a cell writing to these people, writing to the, trying to encourage them and then just in the mid-sentence, man, he pauses and he just bows a knee and he prays to God on their behalf, okay? And that's where we're at right now, okay? That's where we're, we're getting to. And it's interesting how he builds his prayer because we as human beings are very complicated people. Somebody say amen, right? We're complicated people. Um, The Bible says that we've been made in the image of God, that God in the Bible is depicted in three ways as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God himself exists in Trinity, okay? God himself exists in a Trinity, three in one. They're all equal. They're all God of gods, all right? And they're they're one. Uh, When it comes to understanding our personhood, this is gonna, might get a little deep, but when it comes to understanding our personhood, what does it mean to be a human? What does it mean to be a, a person? It's helpful to think of the human as a trinity as well. Okay? This is called, um, it's, it's popularized by a theologian called uh, John Frame. It's called tri, this big word, okay? I'm just throwing it out there. It's called triperspectivalism, okay? Triperspectivalism. Basically, 
thinking of it in a Trinitarian light. And this is what I want to do. You've seen, many of you have seen this before if you've been around here for very long. And I, I, am, not gonna, I am not an artist by any means. So bear with me. Not, not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Um, this is the head. This is the heart. And this is the hands. Okay. You could say um, mind, will, emotions, something like that. Uh, head, heart, hands. Um, this is what it means to be a person. This is how the Bible, this is how the Bible depicts humanity. You're more than just cognitive, you're more than just emotional, and you're more than just suck it up and get it done will. Okay? This is this is the um, a totalitarian or a holistic view of a person, the head, heart, and hands. Now, this is very complicated when you get into it, and it makes for messy relationships that we all know. And what typically happens is we want to uh, minimalize the, uh, the view of, uh, of the human person, okay? And this is where I'm going. Christianity is unique in that it offers knowledge of God with an experience with, of God as well. It, it offers knowledge of God with experience of God. Knowledge with experience. Christianity offers that, okay? Um, Christianity, now listen, it does not separate thinking, does not separate experience from thinking like other religions and other cults in our world today. Other religions and other cults say this, if you want to experience God, then shut off your mind and get in and become one with the universe. Detach your mind from your will, from your emotions, from yourself, and that's how you meditate and get in touch with some higher power. Shut the mind off, all right? That's too, far too simplistic, Christianity says. You're more than just a mind. You're more than just a heart. You're more than just a will. It's all intermingled somehow in the, in the person. We don't know how one separates and one where one ends and one begins. Christianity is far more complicated than, than a lot of Eastern uh, religions, a lot of New Age religions. It's far more comp complicated than that. The body will not ask you to try to separate your mind from your body in order to experience some euphoria or some esoteric peace. Okay, The Bible is far more complicated and holistic than that. Let me, let me illustrate this. There are a lot of people who believe that in order to change your life and to overcome your limitations, to overcome your troubles, your circumstances, your challenges, all you need is better education. All you need in order to come overcome the issues in your life is more information. The reason poverty exists, um, the reason racism exists, the reason fear exists is because we're uneducated. All we have to do is get the right amount of information to people and they will be fixed. All right. This isolates the human problem and the human personhood in the head. Our problem is a thinking problem. If we can change our minds, everything else is fixed. All right. Uh, many Christians fall into this simplistic view of the human person as well. The reason your marriage is falling apart is because you don't have the right information. All you need is to learn how to communicate. If you memorize these six steps of communication, psh, you're going to have a perfect marriage. All right? All you need is a better book. That's it. I mean, that's many people 
I'm tempted to believe that myself because I'm a reader and I love books and I love knowledge and I love to study. So I'm tempted when you're confronting me with a problem, I'm tempted instead of getting involved with you and understanding that your issues are more holistic than that, I want to just offer you a book and say, go read this, man. You'll be good. All right? You'll be good. That's not true. All right? It's far too simplistic. <clears throat> now, there are also people out there that they say, no, 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 no. You don't need more information, brother. All you need is to be happy. That's all you got to do. Forget, we don't need more information. All that matters is how you feel. Do whatever feels good. The problem with this is that, listen, the problem with this, and this is reducing the, humanhood, the, the, the humanity or our personhood down to the heart. Just do what feels good. I don't really care about truth. I don't really care about what's right. I care about what feels good. The problem with this is it's far too simplistic. Nothing feels good forever. Right? You like music? You need more of it. You, you, you like certain things? You need more of it. It's all addictive, right? You need higher highs to get happy. It's, it's, that, it's that tunnel that you have to keep, I mean, you just you fall down into. Nothing feels good forever. We constantly need higher highs in order to sustain our good feelings. Now listen, many Christians fall into this trap as well. All right, they, they, they narrow the, the personhood down to the heart and they go from church to church to church seeking after an experience. They go from church to church ready for the worship that's just rocking on stage. And it's so funny how these people many times articulate the presence of God with lights. Like, you know, they're like, doosh, 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 like Hillsong, right? Like, doosh, doosh, doosh. oh my God, the presence of... No, 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 no. That was just bass, baby. That was just bass, all right? You can experience the same thing at John Mayer. You can experience the same thing anywhere else. And they, they, they get the experience mixed up with truth and with the presence of God. All right? And these people oftentimes hop around looking for the, the church that makes them feel good. And if they hear something they don't like, they'll bail and they'll go to another place because they're constantly seeking to feel, to feel. I just want to feel God's presence. Or I just want to feel happy. Or I just want to feel good. And the Bible says that's far too simplistic. It's far too simplistic. <clears throat> and one of my favorite quotes, you've heard me say this. Um, and the, the other problem with this is what happens, and, and many of us have fallen in this before, what happens when the emotion wears off? Right? The guitarist doesn't go with us home. Right? The lighting coordinator doesn't go with us home. So then when we get in our bedroom, the emotion wears off, the experience wears off, and then we're longing for what? Many times we're longing for more experience and not more of God. We're longing for a, a longer set. I Man, I just can't wait till they have all worship night. Right? I can't wait to. We long for that and not more of God himself. Many times the experience itself becomes the end instead of God himself. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from St. Augustine. It's from his confessions. He starts it off like this. He says, God, he's praying to God, right? He's, or he's confessing his stuff to God. He says, God... He has made us for himself. He has made us for himself. And our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Our hearts are, we've, we're made for one thing, and that's God. To end, our life is to end in God, to know God, to be intimate with God, and we will, and that's where we find our rest. That's where we find our, that's where our soul finds rest. And we'll be restless, constantly needing more, 
doesn't matter what it is that we try to prescribe our heart. If it's human affection, if it's human intimacy, it'll, we'll always want more until our souls rest in God. Now, <clears throat> then there's the third type of people, right? And this is probably where I might fall more than the other two. Uh, the this third view hates the other two, okay? This third view is all about the hands, right? They're the ones, let's just, just shut up and do something, right? Uh, why don't you guys stop and get your nose out of a book and go do something, right? Stop being so emotional and just go get something done. These are the activists. These are the people that think all we need to do to fix ourselves is pull yourself up by your bootstraps, suck it up, and get to work. All right, what we need to fix this country, this country's going, it's going downhill, the reason, because we lost our work ethic. We need to get back to work. If guys get back to work, blah, 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 blah. Work solves it. All right, these are the doers. And uh, I want you to hear, you know, these are the ones that are out there, the Christians are out there. And it's, a, it's another minimalistic view of the human person. And these are the activists. They're drilling wells. They're building schools. They're raising money to fight diseases. Um, they, their anthem is just shut up and do something. And I want, I want you to hear me tonight. Nothing is wrong with any one of those things. They're just too small. It's just too minimalistic. We can't isolate humanity into one of those things. It's, we're, we're too big for that. All right? <clears throat> Christianity is different from all of those views. It doesn't simplify the human person for us into one nice, neat category. And I want to show you that from Paul's prayer tonight. Christianity is unique in that it offers the knowledge of God with an experience of God. The knowledge of God with an experience of God. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be there. Uh, verses 14 through 21 is where we're at. And I want you to show, I'm going to show you this tonight. Let's start in verse 16. This is Paul's prayer. He says this, that according to the riches of his glory, he, meaning God, may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now, this poses a problem to, for us right here. Who's Paul writing to? Do we, do we remember that? A quick test. Who's Paul writing to here? Ephesians, okay? What type of people? Huh? Church, right? Believers. Okay. He's writing to believers. In order to be a believer, the, the Spirit of God has to dwell in you. The love of Christ has to dwell in you, right? That, that's kind of prerequisite to be a believer. So he's saying to these believers, who's, he's already assured that they've been adopted, they've been predestined, they've been elected, they've been chosen. He's already, he's already said, your, your salvation is secure. But now, look what he's praying. This is weird. He's praying that they would know that they would be strengthened with power in their inner hearts or their inner beings, that, they would, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. So it's almost like he's praying for something that's already happened. What's he doing here? He's, he's showing us. This is so good. He's showing us this right here. This has already happened to you, he says. You already know this. You know that Christ dwells in your heart. You know that God dwells there through Christ by faith. But I'm praying that it goes somewhere deeper, that it involves now, and where's my little marker at? That this is what he's shooting at right here. Paul is saying, I want you to experience, whoop, 
I want you to experience God here in the core of your personhood. In the seat, your, your, I don't even, I mean, the Bible uses many different ways to describe it, but it's the center of your humanity where your head, heart, and hands coalesce, where they all combine. And this is what he's saying. When you know the love of Christ there, it will affect your head, it will affect your affections and your emotions, and it will affect what you do. You don't know the love of Christ until it's moved all of you. Why do we sing so many songs? Because it's moved on our heart. Because I'm overwhelmed at the love of Christ. My heart and my affections want to worship. Why do we serve people? Why do we lay down our life? Why do we give financially? Because I believe it and I've experienced it, so it affects my hands. It affects my will. Why do I study and why do I read and why do I read scripture and meditate? Because it affects my head as well. Paul's going to say, when you, when you come to experience this, more than a cognitive knowledge, more than intellectual, it's going to drop down and it's going to change the whole of your personhood. So <clears throat> he's showing that this is more than just information. Knowing the love of God intellectually is different than experiencing the love of Christ in your inner being. Now, one of my favorite preachers uh, <clears throat> from the last century, his name is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, he used to say this in counseling. When, when people would present issues and say, they, oftentimes when we present issues, we say stuff like this, like, I just don't feel loved, or I don't feel accepted, or I'm constantly trying to prove myself, or I always have to work really hard, I have to stay busy. If I don't stay busy, then I feel worthless. Or if people don't like me, I feel worthless. Or if I don't have a good job, I feel worthless. We're always, we describe things, but then we say stuff like, but I, but I know Jesus loves me, but I just can't. And he used to say this. He would say this in counseling sessions. Are you a Christian? And many times, many times, they would answer like this. I'm trying. I'm trying. And he would say something to the effect of, you don't understand the gospel. You don't believe the gospel. And he would say, it's like Yoda, right? There is either do or do not. There is no try, if you Star Wars fan. And what he's saying is, what he's saying is, that's the same with Christianity. There is no trying to be a Christian. Either Christ has died for your sins and you have placed your faith in him, or you have not. There is, no, there is no try to be a Christian. It's either you are or you are not. And when he would present the gospel to them that way, that it's not about what you do or how hard you try, it's about what Christ has done on the cross, and do you believe that, and have you accepted into your life, they would say something like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 I get that, I know that, I know that. And then he would follow it up with, no, 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 you might know it, but you have not experienced it. If you've experienced it, it would come out in the way that you talk. It would come out in the way that you live. You might have it here in your head, but we want you to have it here. That it changes the seat of your emotions. It changes how you react, how you respond, how you feel, what you do. It changes all of you. Their problem isn't knowledge it's experience. Now, look at verse 19. This is, this is, one, of those, this is one of those verses that you'll, you could scratch your head at for a long time. Paul's praying, and this is what he wants them to do. He wants them, verse 19, I pray that, that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, that's pretty easy. I want you to know the unknowable. Oh, okay, I can do that. I want you to know something that surpasses knowledge. 
That sounds pretty easy, right? I want you to know something that's unknowable, that's beyond all knowledge. That's what I want you to know. And I love it because Paul is just pointing us right back to here. I want you to know something more than you know it in your head. I want you to experience it. Oh, man, this is going to get me. I might get a little happy, and I've had a lot of coffee. So, Chris, can you grab me that back there? Who, who says I can't have more? <clears throat> this is what Paul's saying. You think your problem is a money problem, right? I would trust God, or I would be at peace, or I would have comfort, or I would be, I would be more restful if I just had more money. If I just had more money, I'd be fine. And Paul's saying, no, 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 it's not a money problem. It's an experience problem. You haven't experienced the love of Christ. No, 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 Justin. My problem is my husband. He won't lead the family. He's lazy. He comes home. He's selfish. He thinks because he just works hard, he just gets to come home and plop down in the chair, and the kids run wild, and I'm trying to make dinner, and he's so selfish. If my husband would just serve and just love the family, then everything would be fine. Or some of you in here, if I just had a husband, then I'd be better. All right? And, he, and, and Paul's saying, no, 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 your problem is not primarily a husband or a wife issue. It's a gospel issue. You haven't experienced the love of Christ. No, Justin, all I need is my kids to be obedient. They're driving me crazy. I'm pulling my hair out. I'm stressed out. Don't talk to me about peace. Don't talk to me about comfort. Don't talk to me about finding my identity in the gospel. All I need is some obedient kids. If I had some obedient kids, I could have some peace and quiet in my home, and then I'd be restful. And Paul's saying, no, 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 it's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. You need to experience the love of Christ. <clears throat> what I want you to see tonight is a true experience of the love of God. It will involve all of us, our head, our heart, and our hands. It's right in the sweet spot. And the key to this, now listen, I love this. The key to this is found in verse 18. The key to this whole section is found in verse 18. I want you to look at this. <clears throat> He's praying, so that, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, look, look, look right here, 18, may have strength to comprehend. All right? Strength to comprehend. Now this word comprehend, I don't like doing this, I don't do this very often. I, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. I don't, I don't, I don't do this very often. Comprehend is, you, we, but I had to go back to the Greek in order to get this because comprehend is such a weak translation in my opinion. It's good, it's true, but it's weak. This actual word in the Greek is called, oh man, this is bad, katalambano, okay? Katalambano. And this is what, this is what it means. All right? Comprehend is one of the versions, but, but it doesn't give you um, a good enough translation. This is what it means. To acquire, to attack, to seize, to overpower, or to comprehend. To attack, to acquire, to seize, to overpower. When it's used in its corporate sense, it's me meant to plunder a city and get, and get all the goods. That's what it's meant. Catalimbano. All right? It's a difficult word to translate, but it represents more than just mental comprehension. All right? It's more like, look at this. It's more like wrestling. This catalimbano is more like wrestling. This is what it means. I was a wrestler. I grew up a wrestler. Some of you guys were wrestlers. And you knew, you look across at a guy, and you're like, that guy looks strong, right? He's a little short, squatty guy. That guy, that guy looks strong, all right? But you don't really know how strong he is. You don't really know what it's going to mean. And then you get in the match, and then the dude grabs you, right? He grabs you, and you're either like, oh, he ain't that strong. Or you're like, oh, crap, this guy is really strong, all right? I remember the first time I ever rolled around with Matt Hughes, it was like that. 
right? I'm, I was always pretty strong for my size, and I went in to roll around, and he grabbed me, and when he grabbed me, I thought it was my dad grabbing me. You know how that is. You're like, that was you know, like he could just possess you, right? You don't really, and I knew the dude was strong. People said he was strong, but I got a different comprehension. I got a different experience when he put his hands on me. Do you get this, right? It's like this. Every time you go to UFC fight nights, right? I have them at my house all the time. People come over, and every single time, one dude in the room would be like, I wonder what it feels like to get hit by that guy. <laughs> Everybody says it. Every, it's like a universal condition in man. Everybody says it. And then it's the question, well, I, I'd do it. I'd take a fall. How much, how, much you have to, how much would you get paid to get knocked out by Mike Tyson or whoever it is, right, you're watching, or if it's UFC or if it's boxing or whatever it is. Why? Do we know that it would inflict pain? Yes, we know that. But I don't really know exactly how much. I want to feel it, <laughs> right? I know it, but there's a deeper knowing. That's right here, guys. This is Catalambano. This is the deeper sense of knowing. Knowing like you know, and, and the, the, there's that whole thing, you don't really know, a, you know, guys say this sometimes if you're around the wrestling, or you don't really know a guy until you wrestle him, or you don't really know a guy until you fight him, that you get to know people in a different way when you, when, when you feel their strength or when you feel their weaknesses or whatever it is. So that's what Lembano is. <clears throat> You can hear that he's strong, but you don't really know it in a kata limbano kind of way until the dude grabs you. Now listen, for the, for the ladies who have never thought about any of those things. <clears throat> when you were, I don't know, whatever, five years old, three years old, six years old, your dad looked at you, maybe, and said, you are a failure, right? You will never amount to anything. You upset me. Why can't you do blank, blank, blank? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you be more like your brother? What's wrong with you, all right? Your dad, mother, whatever, said something to the effect like that to you. <clears throat> now listen, that is just information. That's all it is, information. But when you think about it, is it more than information? When you replay it in your head, is there an accompanying sensation with it? When you hear the words, you're a failure, does it move you in your heart? Does something affect you? Does a tear well up? Does an emotion wear up? Can you feel it? It's more. Now you know this is more than just head knowledge. It's more than just information. It's katalambano. Somewhere it affects you. Somewhere that, that thought of I'm a failure, or I need to prove myself, I need to do better, I need to accomplish more, that affects your heart. It's more than just information. You have an experience with it. Can you feel it? Now listen. Then you come along and you read the Bible. And the Bible says, God is our Father. And you say, oh, thank, cool, that's cool, that's nice. Right? Move right on. Yeah, yeah, I know God's my Father. Listen to me right here. Do you katalambano that? Or do you just know that? That's so weird that I'm using that word like that, but I am just to make a point. Listen, do you hear what I'm saying? When you hear your father's voice or you hear your mother's voice saying you are a failure, you'll never amount to anything, and that, you, that evokes emotion, that evokes sensation, that is katalambano. And then when you hear God is your father, you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, you know what your mother's saying in a deeper way than you know what the Father God is saying. That's a problem. That is a disconnect. That is what we would call a gospel issue. Or 
if you've had an experience with the love of Christ, like Paul's talking about here, then when you hear that God is your Father, does that evoke passion in you? Does that evoke worship in you? Does that move your heart? Does that stir your soul? Does that stir your affections? Does that stir your will? Does that excite you? Do you have the same response to the negative word your parents spoke as you do? Do you have the same emotional type response as your father saying, you're my son, you're my daughter, I'm well pleased with you? Does it it evoke the same emotion? See, Christianity is unique and that it offers knowledge of God, information about who God is, the real God of the universe. It offers that information, but it does not offer that information solely to our mind. So we can walk around and be theological eggheads and know about God. God created the universe. God did this. God did that. He offers us information to know him. We would not know him without revelation in scripture, without um, the revelation through nature. We would not know God in any other way. But he offers information about God as well as, this is where it meets the road, guys, as well as an experience. An experience. And I don't want to be the church that separates those two things. So many people are so scared, especially for us. We are like, if if you guys know anything about church traditions, people think that we're kind of, you know, crazy because we're reformed in our our salvation, in our soteriology, but then we're also charismatic and we believe that the Spirit of God is still at work and still you. Most people think those are two opposite things. But we're like, no, 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 no. They're not opposite things. Listen. God offers revelation through Scripture, but He also offers an experience where you can be changed in a moment that He can speak to your heart and you know that you're accepted. You know that God loves you and it can override and overpower all the junk that your parents taught you and all the junk that your parents spoke to you and all the junk that the coaches communicated and all the junk that just life has beat out of you. You can experience Christ in such a way that it overrides all of that. It rewrites your story, man. That's exciting to me. I'm going to give a story just to, just to communicate that we're not talking about many times people say, okay, if you want to experience God, switch off your brain. Don't think. Listen, Christianity offers the best explanations of where the world came, of, of where the world came from, why we're here, what our purpose is, why evil exists, why pain exists, what's going to happen in the future. Christianity, they've been, I mean, we've, we've offered up explanations for thousands of years. And we ha- we can, our faith can explain those things the way atheism, the way Scientology, the way other things cannot. We do not believe you shut off your brain to believe Christianity. No. You open your brain. You study. God, I mean, the depths of it are, is unbelievable. But there's an experience that goes with us. And many times we're thinking, okay, i got to shut my brain off and just have faith, and I'll experience God. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I'm going to give you an example. Uh, I'm trying to get my wife to let me name our, if it's a boy, next our, our kid, Blaze, because it's just a bad name, right? Um, and I, I like this guy named Blaise Pascal, and it's B-L-A-I-S-E. It's not like Blaze, like an American gladiator. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, 
uh, this Blaise Pascal, uh, I, I want, uh, listen to this, he's one of the smartest guys in the history, of, in the, honestly, in the history of our world, okay? At 19, he invented um, a calculating machine. Many people said it was the first ever computer, all right? He discovered and developed the law of hydraulics, the theory of probability. He invented the syringe, all right? The hydraulic lift and the wristwatch, okay? The dude was incredibly smart, okay? Incredibly smart. But, listen to this, I love this. He also acknowledged the limits of the mind. Okay, this is what he said. He, he calls it reason, right? Reason, our intellect, the, the, the ability we have to reason. Reason's last step is the recognition that there are an infinite number of things beyond it. Reason's last step is to admit that there are infinite number of things beyond it that we can't contemplate, that we can't understand. Okay, so he, he was very smart, very intellectual, but he realized there was something beyond it. There was an experience that was even beyond reason. Now listen to this. When he died, they found sewn into his coat. Okay, he wore a coat, same coat every day. Sewn into the lining of his coat was this page from his journal. I'm going to read it. It said this. November 23rd, 1654. What is that? 350 years ago, something around there. From about half past 10 in the evening until half past 12. Fire. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and not the philosophers and savants. Certitude, certitude, feeling, joy, peace. He kept this tucked into his jacket, an experience that he had with the Almighty God. I'm just going to read it again. November 23rd, 1654, from about half past 10 in the evening until half past 12. So two hours long. Fire. God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and not the philosophers and savants. Certitude. That's certainty, man. Certitude. Feeling. Joy. Peace. And he kept this. Now, this is a biblical word that we don't use very often, but it's in one of our songs that we sing. He kept this as an Ebenezer inside his coat. What's an Ebenezer? An Ebenezer is a, is a reminder of when God showed up, a reminder when God, his, he brought an experience into your life and he changed you forever. And that Ebenezer is something that we can go back to and we can pull it up. Whenever we're doubting the sovereignty of God, whenever we're doubting the goodness of God, he could pull out of the lining of his coat and he could remember November 23rd, 1654, fire. Love, joy, peace. God overwhelmed me in that night. He overwhelmed my reason in that night. <clears throat> Christian experience does not dumb us down. It does not deny, re oh man, I love it. It does not deny reason. It goes beyond it. Christian experience does not dumb us down. It does, does not deny reason. It goes beyond it. Many of you um, know that I've got a pretty large tattoo on my chest. Um, it's actually, it's, it, you know, if I had a bigger chest, I'd probably have a bigger tattoo. But uh, my chest isn't that big, so I guess it's not that big. But I've got a big tattoo on my chest. And basically, this is, this is, this is my Ebenezer, okay? Um, it's got angels on it. It's got a heart. It says sacred across it. Um, I had a construction company making good money. Um, we were, I mean, we were, 
we were loving life at the time, my wife and I, and building homes, making good money. We were set, and we were really enjoying good, good, easy season. And God called us to lay down our business, lay down the construction company, and step into full-time ministry. And I wrestled with it, right? Like, hmm, making good money, being a broke pastor. Hmm, this is a tough call, God. I don't know about this, right? And, but I wrestled through that, prayed through that, and we, we came to the realization, all right, this is what God's calling us to do. God's calling us to lay this down. And for me, uh, I'm an all-or-nothing type of guy. So one of the things that I did, I, I had an experience with God, and I believe he said, this is, your, this is what you're called to do. This is who you are for the rest of your life. This is what you're going to do. You're going to lead people. You're going to raise up men. You're going to make disciples who make disciples. And you're going to build a church. And I said, okay, fine. That's what I'm going to do. And what did I do? I went out and got this big old plastered tattoo on my chest. So every day when I look in the mirror, I remember that experience with God. I remember that I am not my own. Sacred means devoted to God. That's what it means. That I am not my own. That my life is devoted to God. And that's it. There's no going back for me. That, that's it. So what I want to happen, and I've got a couple other things in my mind. There's a, a, a night in Omaha that God showed up and, 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 and changed my heart in, in an intimate way, and that's a Ebenezer to me. That's something that I can go to to remember that God has led me this far. That's what Ebenezer means. God has led me this far, and he's not going to let me down in the future. So, so this is where we're led, okay? Experience leads us past, it doesn't lead, it doesn't make us shut our brain off, all right, it doesn't make us shut our brain off, but it communicates something more than knowledge can, so many of you might be asking this, okay, cool, how do I get it, all right, all right, if it's something more, I want it, how do I get it, how do I katalambano the love of Christ, all right, and I got three things for you, I don't really do this very often, but I got three things, if you're taking notes on version, you can follow, you can do this right here, number one, prayerful asking, all right, you can't overlook this, this is a prayer of Paul. Paul is praying to the Father. One of the ways to experience God in a deeper way, to know beyond knowing, is to prayerfully ask God. And I'm going to honestly ask you, how often do you ask God to know more of Him? Do you go to God and ask Him to fix your problems? Or do you go to God and say, please fix me. Please communicate your love to me. Please let me experience you in a new way. It's a different way of praying. You're not praying, and listen, you're not shooting for the experience. You're shooting for God, and the experience will follow. You're aiming at God. You want more of God. You're not wanting the experience. You're not chasing after the coattails of some emotional experience. You're chasing after God. So number one, ask God for it. Prayerful seeking. Number two, and this is what I call uh, gospel wrestling. Gospel wrestling, and you can also put down um, <clears throat> knowledge and meditation, okay? Gospel wrestling involves knowledge and meditation, and I want you to see this in uh, <clears throat> verse 18, I think. Yeah, verse 18. Paul says this, may, may you have strength to comprehend, right, to contalimbano with all the saints, what is the breadth? Look at, he's not Guys, he's not just not over-speaking here. What is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge? I want you to think about this. Re gospel meditation, gospel wrestling involves thinking about, thinking deeply about God. It involves reading and studying and meditating. But I want you to think about this. Look, think about the breadth. What is the breadth? I want you to think about the cross. To get to that experience, 
God could have wrote a thousand times in this book, I love you, 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 I love you. And that would never overwrite the feeling that when your dad said, you're a failure. I love you, I love you, yeah, thanks, I love you. Okay, cool, thanks, I love you, yeah, thanks, cool. But what did God do to communicate his love to us? He gave us a story. He gave us a story with Jesus Christ hanging on a cross in our place for our sins. He didn't just tell us he loved us. He gave us a story to show us. And I want you to think, when he's saying, he's saying, look to the cross. When you're, when, if you want to experience, go back to the cross. That's where you need to go. What is the breadth of the love of Christ? What is the breadth? On the cross, Jesus said, this, this is the breadth. On the, Jesus said, when I'm lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men to you. All men. All men. Sinners. All different backgrounds. All different faiths. All different um, socioeconomic upbringings. All different regions of the world. When I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to me. All men. It's the breadth of the love of Christ. He's inclusive. The length. What's the length? Right? The Bible says some crazy stuff like this. Before the foundations of the world, the lamb was slain. Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. That means when Jesus was existed in eternity in heaven, he knew he was going to die on a cross. And he went through with it. The plan was set before the foundations of the world. That's the length. That's how long it is. Have you thought about that? Have you meditated what it would be like to exist with God knowing you're leaving heaven and you're going to hang on a cross? The height. What's the height of the love? of? Think about the cross again. The height of the love of Christ. Jesus Christ died so that we could be exalted. What? Jesus Christ was brought low so we could be lifted high to be with God in union with God. Have you thought about the height of the love of Christ? And then the depth. The depth. Jesus on the cross who existed in oneness with God, who he, he enjoyed peace and, and just security and love. On the cross, though, he said, my God my God. Only time in scripture Jesus didn't say Father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The depth. Can you see the depth of the love of Christ? Christ fell in a pit deeper than any of us have ever experienced. He literally went to hell on our behalf. He felt the wrath of God on our behalf. He felt something that because of Christ, none of us in here will ever experience. He was at the lowest of lows. Completely cut off from God. The depth of the love of Christ. Mm. Only Jesus on the cross can truly show us the length, the breadth, the width, and the depth of the love of God. This is unheard of. It's really beyond comprehension that a perfect God would die for us. <clears throat> this is 
gospel wrestling. You have to, listen guys, you have to engage your mind. You have to think deeply. You have, if, listen, if you don't read your Bible, I'm just going to say this. If you don't read, you're, you're not going to experience this. Because you're trying to experience this without engaging your head, without studying deeply. You can't do it. You can't get this. You can get down here somewhere, you're just including the heart and hands, but you will never get this Catalimbano experience unless you engage all of yourself. That means reading books, studying scripture, reading commentaries, reading uh, gospel-centered books on the cross, and then listen, and then taking a Sabbath, and then meditating, and then shutting off the iPod, shutting off the TV, shutting off the computer, and thinking deeply, and meditating, and praying, and asking the Father to show you the depth of his love. Asking the Father to experience this. I, the majority of you, if you're having a hard time hearing God, if you're having a hard time experiencing God, it's because too much crap is going on around you. Lock yourself away. Go get a hotel room. Go out to the woods. Go down into the basement with you and the Bible and a journal. And just if you have to lock yourself into a closet, literally, when I was in Omaha and we had a two-bedroom apartment with two kids... I would lock myself in the closet. That's my wife. And then Jabin would come beating, and I'd have to, well, I don't even remember what I did. I can't even remember how I blocked it out, but I just had to block out the sound, and I'd be in my closet trying to seek the face of God, trying to lock, I mean, just get myself away. Meditation. Um, Tim Keller has got a great question. When meditating on Scripture, he'll read a Scripture, and then he asks himself this. If I really knew this, Catalambano, right? If I really knew this, how would I be different? Have you, thought, have you ever done that? It's a great question. I put it in your version stuff. I would encourage you if, you, if you read one verse, runs one scripture, say, if I really knew this, or if I really believe this, how would I be different? Guys, if scripture has never came alive to you, if it's never erupted to you like a song, if you've never felt it like you feel a beat in a song where it just kind of can take you over, then you, you need to ask yourself that question. You need to get alone with God. Scripture is living and active. It's how God speaks to us. If you're relying on me, if you're coming to service and you hope to hear from God because of, I, I've heard from God, you're broke, man, and you're getting a, a, just like, I can't speak to you the way God can speak to you when you're alone. It's something special, something different, something more intimate. And thirdly, so number one, <clears throat> prayerful asking. Number two, gospel wrestling. I'm a, you know what? When was the last time you took your Bible and a notepad and got away? And went to somewhere. Could it could be? You, there's you know there's monasteries around. That's what I like to go to for a day. Spend a day in a monastery and just rest and relax and listen to God and pray and read my Bible. When was the last time you've done that? When was the last time you took an hour? And I'm not talking about going to Dunn Brothers because you can't do it at Dunn Brothers, okay? Everybody and your mom goes to Dunn Brothers. So if you want to meet people, go to Dunn Brothers. If you want to meditate, don't go to Dunn Brothers. All right. When is the last time you've done it?
might be because you're afraid to do it. When you stay busy, it masks the issues of your heart. When you stay busy, you don't need God. But when you're silent and you can't sit still and the TV has to be on and you have to do something, it's reminding you your soul was meant for God and it will be restless until it rests in him. Number three, in community and on mission. How, how, do you get this, how do you get this experience? You prayerfully ask for it. You, you, you gospel wrestle, man. You study. You pray. You wrestle with it. You meditate on it. And number three, you're in a community and you're on mission. That's why we do missional communities around here because other people can look at you. You can tell your story. They can gospel you. They can show, show you where, you know, maybe your story's gone awry or maybe you're miscommunicating something or you haven't seen the love of God and they can, can communicate the love of God to you. We've been doing that. And we've seen God do some great things in our missional communities. I've heard some great things from you as well. In community and on mission is how you can experience God. It's another way to do it. We can't always do it. You know, God doesn't always show up when we're all alone by ourselves. Many times he shows up right in the middle of community, right in the middle of our mess, and God speaks to us and can change our heart. All right? Now, I love it. So Paul, right, he's praying for these people. He's saying what you need is to be strengthened in your gut. You need to be strengthened in your inner being. That's what you need to push forward. That's what you need to know God. And then this is what Paul does. Guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast on some of us right here. <clears throat> some, of, some guys can, are afraid to worship musically. They're afraid to sing. They're afraid to smile. They're afraid to have joy in a worship service. Listen, Paul was a bad mother scratcher. Okay, let's just say that, right? Snakes biting him, he shakes them off and just keeps preaching. All right, shipwreck, don't worry, we'll be fine. Grab this piece of wood, floats in. He's, I mean... The guy, he's prison, beaten, stoned. He is a tough man's man. But he is not afraid to worship God. He's in the middle of this prayer. He's on his knee in a jail cell, and he's praying, God, I pray for the Ephesians. I pray for Sacred City Church. I pray that they would be strengthened in their inner being, that they would come to a catalambano, that they would know the love of Christ more powerfully than they know the hurts of their past or their, their injuries by their parents. I pray that they would know that. And then what's he do? After he's praying, look what he does in verse 20. Doxology. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He worships God. He worships God. If you can't worship God, I, I, I seriously question if you've ever had the experience of the love of Christ. We sing for joy. We sing when we're happy. We get together and we sing because we have the greatest thing in the world to sing about. We won't, listen to this, our sins will not be counted against us. On the cross, Christ took our sins. He died our death for disobeying God and he gives us his righteousness. Amazing. He gives us his righteousness. When we stand before the throne, when God looks at us, if he says, were you a Christian? We don't say, I'm trying, or I tried my best, or I was a good person, or I really tried hard, we say, I stand in Christ. The blood of Christ covers me. And the, fa the Father says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. Come on in to heaven. And then 
new creation is waiting us where heaven meets earth and we live forever. That's exciting news. That's great news for us. We have plenty to worship about. <clears throat> because God has created us with a head to think, a heart to feel, and hands to work. He didn't just give us a book to read. He gave us a meal to eat. <clears throat> he gave us a meal to eat. He gave us something to feel in our hands. He gave us something to taste with our tongues. This meal or communion is for believers only. It's an experience. God's love was shown for us by Christ being bodily broken and his blood being shed to make us right with God. Let us catalambano that. Let us think deeply on the riches of Christ given to us by the Holy Spirit in this meal. Let us experience his love tonight as we commune with him. Father, I thank you for your spirit here. I thank you for the people here. I thank you for the truth in your word. I thank you that we are head, heart, and hands, that we are not just a, you know, one piece of that. We can't separate our, our humanity from us, Father. We are very complicated because we're made in the image of God. And I pray that our faith would not be merely cognitive, that our faith would not merely be an emotional thing, and that our faith would not merely be something that causes us to get to work and, and to earn and to work hard and to renew and to do that stuff. I pray that it would encompass all of us. I pray that we would catalambano, that we would experience the love of Christ in the core of our being, that the love of God would overwhelm every other thought in our life, every other experience in our life, every other fear, every other doubt, every other unbelief, the love of Christ would overwhelm that. We don't have to doubt if we're loved. We look to the cross where Jesus Christ died inside of history. Father, I pray as the believers come to your table tonight, I pray that they would experience the love of God. They would experience the acceptance of the Father. would overwhelm them. Only your spirit can do that. In Jesus' name.